welcome to Accountability Talks AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're speaking with Robert Shea from Grant Thornton, and we're going to get an update on the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policy Making Act. We originally had a uh, episode on this, number 17, in the back catalog if you want to go check it out, but uh, it's been about a year or so, and there have been some more developments, so we thought we'd bring uh, Robert back in to give us an update. So enjoy this discussion with Robert. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today we have with us Robert Shea from Grant Thornton, and uh, we thought we'd do a little uh, kind of throwback to see how things are going with the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, which was originally our episode 17, so we brought Robert back. So, Robert, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Paul? Good to be with you. Doing good, doing good. Well, uh, so why don't we uh, jump right into this? Uh, you know, it's been about a year since we talked last, and uh, I, don't th- I think we'd probably be good to just start giving folks a refresher about the act. Uh, I guess the first question, I don't think there's really a good acronym for this thing, right? So I guess most folks just call it the Evidence-Based uh, Policymaking, act, uh, Policymaking Act. But why don't you just give us a little background again to how this came, uh, how this came about, please? Yeah, I, I sure will. It's one of my favorite topics because I, I think we've made good progress. We have a long way to go. So we call it the Evidence Act. And I would say the the, the ember uh, that, that begat the um, law was the Commission on Evidence-Based Policy Making, which came out of negotiations between then-Speaker Paul Ryan and Senator Patty Murray, who were working on uh, uh, legislation to strengthen anti-poverty programs across the government. They sparked a bipartisan collaborative relationship. And one of the things they bemoaned was the paucity of evidence about what programs are working, which ones weren't, which ones we ought to scale up, and which ones we ought to abandon. So they, uh, like every good politician, decided to create a commission, uh, the Commission on Evidence-Based Policymaking. Um, so once that was established, that group of experts, um, I was a proud member, spent about 17 months getting testimony, looking at best practices here in the United States and across the government, and came up with, um, a bunch of recommendations to strengthen the governance of evidence building across the government. One of the, one of the, one of my favorite parts of our final report was the principles. Um, and the guiding principles that we set included privacy, make sure that privacy is, is respected, uh, rigor, make sure that the evidence we were developing is of the highest rigor, make sure we're transparent about how we're building evidence and how we're using it. Humility, make sure we're being humble uh, and not, um, overgeneralizing the results of our evaluation, and then capacity. Make sure we're building the capacity uh, for evidence building across the government. And so, um, uh, you know, um, among the recommendations were uh, the, the, the concrete recommendations were um, appointing an evaluation officer in each agency, a statistical official, data officers. Um, require learning agendas, um, 
a national secure data service um, codifying the statistical standards across government. Those are some of the recommendations we made, and many of them found their way into the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act. So, you know, we're uh, more than a year in, and uh, agencies are making progress, uh, but that's how the law came to be. Right. So, so speaking of those, you know, principles then, so now what are the actual main elements of, of the act? You know, what, what actually got into the act? What are agencies required to do? So there are three main sections in the bill. Title one is uh, federal evidence building activities. Title two is the open government data act. Title three is the Confidential Information Protection and Statistical Efficiency Act, or SIPSI. Title two basically is the law which establishes data sets should be open and published in machine-readable formats. Title three codifies basically the existing framework under which statistical agencies and activities operated. The Title I, the federal evidence building activities, is the one that really um, established this governance uh, that we're talking about. And um, basically, it established uh, evidence officers in agencies. It um, established chief data officers in agencies. And it established statistical officers in agencies. You know, one of the things we worry about is the proliferation of chiefs across government. Those can be standalone officials or uh, responsibilities given to other officials, but they should be collaborating to drive evidence building across agencies. The law also requires agencies to draft a learning agenda. What are the big questions that the agency needs? to help them accomplish their mission. Um, what evaluate, an evaluation plan, what, what evaluations will they conduct over time to answer those big questions? And then a capacity assessment, where, where does the capacity exist within an agency and what gaps do they need to fill in order to really transform the culture of the organization to an evidence building one? So it sounds like when you're saying they collaborate across agencies, because I'm thinking some, you know, many programs that are not just agency specific, but kind of span across multiple agencies. So they're supposed to work together on these kind of things. Yeah. I mean, you know, collaborating within any agency is hard enough and that's critical to make sure that we're not duplicating data collection and that to the extent evidence building can be useful across components or programs, we want to do that. But, you know, GAO puts a report out every couple of years on overlap and duplication. And the, the overriding conclusion one gets from looking at that report is there's no activity of the government that's being performed in isolation by a single program or even a department or agency. Generally, uh, uh, multiple programs and agencies are aimed at similar problems. So they ought to be collaborating on data collection and evidence building and the use of that in policymaking so that they can uh, uh, together 
figure out what are the most effective ways to accomplish their goals. Right. And, you know, I'm just thinking top of my head, but I did do a podcast on the, uh, the data lab, the USA spending data lab. And I've noticed that that's kind of a nice place where you can see that some folks have put together, uh, you know, visualizations of the program money being spent across multiple agencies and say, you know, this is our goal, reduce poverty or reduce homelessness. And then you see all the agencies and all the dollars that are being spent on it. It's very interesting. That's a great source for folks to go to get some data analytics done with the tremendous trove of financial data we have at our disposal. One of the recommendations of the commission was to establish a national secure data service because many of our peer countries have units established for the specific purpose of helping researchers integrate data sets, very sensitive ones, in a very protected environment so that we can leverage the data we collect rather than troubling citizens with new data collection and tease out insights from those. The Trump administration has for several years in a row recommended the establishment of such a service. And, and you know, those of us in the evidence community are hopeful that one eventually gets built. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you, um, let's get a little bit more into the, I'm interested to understand better the roles here. So you talked about, you know, chief data officers, statistical officers, evaluation officers. Can you give us a little bit more uh, detail on, for example, evaluation officer, what are the responsibilities here? Sure. You know, the, the evaluation officer is generally responsible for improving how the whole organization builds and uses evidence and aligns performance, budget, strategic planning, policymaking, data and evidence building activities across the organization, but, but as, a, as we've mentioned, across other agencies as well. Um, they've got to develop a multi-year learning agenda. And you know, this is one of the big questions that the agency needs answered that will help it accomplish its mission. Uh, and that's a, a, over a period that spans the length of a strategic plan, basically four years. They've got to oversee the crafting and implementation of the agency's evaluation plan. What are the evaluations that are going to be big priorities for the organization? How are they going to fund and conduct those evaluations? And then once completed, how are those going to be injected into the policymaking process? And then, you know, their responsibility for transforming the culture of the organization into a learning one. That includes getting a baseline assessment of what capacity exists across the organization today, what do they want, and how are they going to build to what uh, they'll eventually need to really be able to generate and use the, the kind of evidence that they need. So, I mean, is the evaluation officer basically the, the primary executive, or how does that fit in with the statistical and the chief data officers? Yeah. Um, the, the evidence officer is the point of the spear with respect to transforming the culture into a learning one. The chief data officer is responsible for inventorying data sets, ensuring that the policies are in place to collect and store and use data in a secure and responsible way. They're also responsible for ensuring 
memorandums of understanding are in place should the agency want to share or integrate data sets from other organizations. Um, the, the, the privacy policies that need to be in place to do that are really important. So that's a critical responsibility of that position. The statistical official is almost a quasi independent one. You know, every day we see the publication of a, of a, a set of statistics, be it employment data, um, uh, price data, um, other economic data. Those are, re it's really important that those be collected and reported in a rigorous and transparent way. Um, and one that's insulated from politics or other interference. So the statistical official, especially to the extent one resides in one of the chief statistical agencies, you know, labor, commerce, um, uh, agencies like that, uh, they've, they've um, got a really important uh, position. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about more about the act itself. You know, we're, we can get more information specifically in the, in the year or so that's gone by. You know, I'm sure there's been some OMB guidance, some toolkits and things out there. Uh, tell us a little bit about what kind of guidance exists for the agencies to implement. Yeah. So uh, OMB announced that it would be publishing guidance in four phases. Uh, their first phase was memorialized in OMB Memorandum M1923, Implementation of the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act of 2018, Learning Agendas, Personnel, and Planning Guidance. So this is what required agencies to anoint these separate officials, the process by which they should develop their learning agendas and evaluation plans and capacity assessments, and then submit them to OMB for a review. Um, they've not yet, yet published guidance for phases two and three, and I would suggest there's some OMB dysfunction getting in the way of uh, of those being released, but they left, they leapfrogged to uh, phase four, uh, memorandum M2012. And uh, that's the phase four implementation of the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, program evaluation standards and practices. One of the, um, you know, the, the, the whole foundation for this evidence movement, if you will, is the hope that we can build more and more rigorous evidence. That is evaluations that rely on the most rigorous standards on which we can make conclusions um, uh, and therefore rely on them in policymaking. So OMB set some standards for evaluations um, so that agencies could use that in developing their evaluation policies. And then GSA very helpfully, um, with help from Grant Thornton, I might add, uh, uh, developed a toolkit. Um, uh, and GSA has a great office, the Office of Evaluation Sciences, that's been doing a lot to help agencies build their evidence building capacities. Um, 
but they've got a toolkit uh, that not only explains a lot of the tenets of the law, but a real helpful guide on developing your learning agenda, um, what an evaluation plan ought to look like, and some examples of those, and then a capacity assessment, an overview and tips on how to assess your organization's capacity as far as evidence building is concerned. So those are just some of the tools that are out there. A lot of work has been done to help agencies get their jobs done in this arena. And then, Robert, can I guess remind us, so phase in two, two and three, the ones where we don't have uh, guidance yet, what, what do those cover again? So those are uh, largely related to the Open Government Data Act, um, the, the ones that, that set in place uh, the policies for publishing um, and, and using open data. Okay. So now let's talk about a little more nitty gritty. I'm just curious what your observations have been of, you know, how's it going? How's the last year uh, and a half gone since agencies have started to implement this? Um, you know, I, I guess what, you know, are agencies clear on what they need to do? There's still some fuzziness, you know, are they putting out reports? Give us a little update here. Yeah. Well, I would say that the, Governance structure for evidence building is as robust as it's ever been. There are people in place responsible for transforming cultures into learning ones. Um, and they've got responsibilities that are based on best practices. Um, so I would say the stage is set for a revolution in evidence-based policymaking. Now, um, I would also say some evidence officers, chief data officers, statistical officials, fear they're in the wilderness because not everybody gets this stuff. Not It's not a priority for everybody. There are a lot of people who don't want to know what programs work because they fear the consequences of revealing that kind of truth. Um, I guess also primarily um, evidence officers and other officials required by the law probably don't think they have adequate resources to fulfill the ambitious responsibilities that they've been given. Um, the Data Coalition and Grant Thornton recently surveyed chief data officers, and um, not all of them were really clear on what their primary responsibilities were, most of them didn't think they had the resources they needed to get the job done. So I think that's probably true for these other officers as well. And uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember, but you were saying that now are the results uh, of what agencies do, is, is that something they're supposed to report out publicly, publicly every year? Or is that a non-public information at this time? So, so their learning agenda should be published in their strategic plan and their evaluation plan and results of evaluation should be published in their annual financial report and, and performance report. So um, those are in draft right now, but eventually will be made public. 
So great. Well, Robert, I wanted to ask you one more about one more topic here. Uh, you know, we have an election coming up, as everybody is aware, and uh, I was just curious if you think uh, what kind of effect you know a new administration or same administration would have on uh, on the act. So, my gosh, you're getting into politics. No, this is this is a real bipartisan area. I would say the. Um, those who consider themselves part of the evidence community should be proud of what's been accomplished under the Trump administration. You know, I told you the, the, the framework that's been built, the governance that's been strengthened in this area over the last several years is a real accomplishment. And I expect if the President Trump was reelected, progress would continue. But I also think you know, Vice President Biden um, uh, has a real evidence-building background, and many of those working hard on his uh, platform and transition planning have evidence-building in their blood, too. And I think you'd see um, perhaps an even stronger focus on this should a Biden administration come to pass. Okay, well, last question for you is just, uh, you know, what would you like to see next in the next year or so? What would be, if you had your wish list and things got done, you know, what would you like to see in this arena? Yeah, so I guess um, uh, adequate resources for positions established under the law, uh, because assigning these kinds of ambitious responsibilities without adequate funding or people, it's just not fair. It's, it's That's too high expectations for folks who don't have what they need to get the job done. But then I'd also really like to see uh, the creation of the National Secure Data Service, because I do think one of the foundational uh, principles of this whole effort is the idea that you can, you can tap into the data we already collect, tease out insights, and really inject those into the policymaking process in a way that would improve our performance across the board. Yeah, I'd love to see something like that spending lab, you know, just uh, get all that, all the evidence that we're gathering and put it out there for folks to see and visualize and put the pieces together. That's exactly right. Well, great, Robert. Well, I appreciate you coming uh, coming here to uh, to speak to us here. This is great information. It looks like, uh, as you said, the stage has been set. I love to see the evidence revolution happen just like you. So, uh, again, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. That is our show. Thanks for joining us. AGACGFM.org is where you go to find some more podcasts. I have plenty, plenty coming, so get ready to enjoy. And until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.